0: That's heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. With more than 30 weekly podcasts, HRN has something for every food lover. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org.
2: This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com.
1: Welcome to Inside Julia's Kitchen, the podcast of the Julia Child Foundation for Gastronomy and the Culinary Arts. I'm your host, Todd Shulkin, the Foundation's Executive Director. Our show takes you inside the Foundation's world to meet the talented people we have the great fortune of learning from all the time. On today's show, we welcome museum directors, Laura Rathody and Cynthia Jones. In this episode, we'll talk to Laura and Cynthia about the Julia Child Recipe for Life exhibition, how Julia's legacy endures, and we'll get another double Julia Moment. Stay with us. We'll be right back. As always, we launch the conversation with an inspiration from Julia. This episode, we're going full Julia, At the foundation, we still marvel at just how inspiring Julia's example continues to be. Whether it's how she found professional success late in life, her fairy godmother-like guidance on getting to success, or how she helped transform the American food scene, Julia's life and career remain influential. Outside of the timeline on the foundation's website, or the three biographies about her, movies or TV shows that bring Julia back to life tend to only focus on a portion of her story. The magical installation of Julia's entire kitchen from her home in Cambridge, Massachusetts, at the Smithsonian's National Museum of American History, centers Julia's influence as a television cooking teacher within an exhibition on the history of modern American food. But never before has her life story been told start to finish in three dimensions. Now, thanks to the efforts of the Napa Valley Museum Yountville and a touring exhibition company called Flying Fish, Julia Child, A Recipe for Life, opens May 20th at the Henry Ford Museum of American Innovation in Dearborn, Michigan. The exhibition covers Julia's legacy through immersive experiences and interactive exhibits which chronicle her life, career, and influence. It will eventually travel the whole country. Two people who have worked to fully capture Julia's legacy and share it with the world are Laura Rathety and Cynthia Jones. Laura is the Executive Director at the Napa Valley museum Yountville which she has transformed into a nationally recognized incubator for innovative original exhibitions since joining in 2017. Laura brings more than 35 years experience as an attorney, arts executive, and Tony-nominated theatrical producer. She is the founder of Napa Shakes, a nonprofit w- which brings professional Shakespeare from Broadway and London to Napa Valley. She's also a published author and award-winning writer. We met Laura when she commissioned the France is a Feast exhibit, bringing to life Paul Child's photographs from Alex Prudhomme and Katie Pratt's book. For more on that, head all the way back to our conversation with Alex and Katie in Episode 4. Cynthia is the director of Museum Experiences, Exhibitions, and Engagement at the Henry Ford. There, Cynthia leads multiple teams to curate exhibitions, public programs, musical and theatrical performances, and community outreach. Prior to joining the museum in 2000, Cynthia co-founded a software company and a cafe. Some of her favorites at the Henry Ford include the iconic Rosa Parks Bus, George Washington Carver's Microscope, and the historic 1940s Lammy's Diner, where you can still enjoy a meal. Laura and Cynthia, joined us today to tell us all about the new Julia Child, a Recipe for Life exhibition. Welcome to the podcast, Laura and Cynthia.
3: Thank you so much. Thank you.
1: So I want to start with Laura because she's kind of the Genesis person here. Tell us how this exhibition even came into being and and did you have a specific vision for it or, or what's the backstory?
4: Well, the backstory, as as you um, were a big part of, Tav, is that we started this at the Napa Valley Museum in Yountville, at, um, based on the book "France Is a Feast," and um, it was curated by Katie Pratt, um, who lives in the Napa Valley and who um, had uh, known the child's um, when she was for most of her life, and we had a special friendship with Paul, and so she that exhibit very much focused on Paul as a photographer, um, and it uh, it dealt exclusively with their years in, in France and the romance between Paul and Julia in France, which was, and we, uh, Katie was able to bring us, you know, some items from from Paul to kind of recreate his studio. And um, it, and there were a lot of very kind of romantic photographs in it that were, um, that people loved. And it was, you know, it was very Fran- France forward. Um, and it was pr- one of the most popular exhibits that we've, we've ever had. Um, and it was, by the way, it, it incorporated texts that had been r- written by Alex Prudhomme. Um, but then when that was done, people just really wanted to see it. And we thought it would make sense to tour an exhibit that was had a broader focus on Julia. And so um, it was one of the things that was kind of an, a lucky accident um, was that we were dealing with the chapter in France. Alex had written, um, you know, co-written the book, um, My Life in France with, with Julia, but also had written The French Chef in America, which was the next chapter, which is sort of exporting from France to the rest of the world. And so one of the things that was really important to me in terms of vision was that the Francis of the Feast exhibit, because it was so intimate and was so um, focused on their romance and, and younger married life together, she really came alive as a person, as a living, breathing, you know, passionate person. And it was really, my vision was that we would focus on a new exhibit on her as an American innovator, but keep that focus on Julia just as this as this vibrant person.
1: And do you, do you see the exhibit, because we've sort of hit a moment, which we maybe didn't expect it all to converge, where the documentary's just been out, the scripted series is still on, um, there's kind of a lot of Julia out there. Do you, where do you see this sort of exhibit kind of fitting into that landscape?
4: I think it fits in very much how, how, I'm trying to put this correctly. The, A lot of us and a lot of the people that came to the exhibit, um, first of all, they all had personal stories about Julia, whether they'd met her or not. With either they'd met Julia or they bonded with their mother over cooking out of Julia's cookbook or whatever. It was very, they, they all had personal stories and being able to come to a museum and share those stories became a really important part of their sort of process of, of um, I don't know, uh, uh, of sharing a special connection with Julia by sharing those stories with us, if that makes sense. Um, And I think that the fact that she is so in the zeitgeist right now, she's always in the zeitgeist though, but so much having a Julia moment. um, This touring exhibition is really just giving people the chance to get to know all of her life, you know, far beyond what you can see in even the the wonderful uh, scripted show that, that is going on right now and, and the other documentaries and everything. It's, it's a wonderful, you know, interactive exhibition that allows people to sort of tell their own stories and have their photo opportunities and, and be a little hands-on. So I think they're really going to feel that special connection to Julia that that having wedded their appetite with all the other things that are out there in the media.
1: Well, that's a great segue to turning to Cynthia because it's, it's I think you hit it that it's all about the interactivity that isn't available in, in other settings. So, Cynthia, tell us more about what visitors can expect when they come to the Henry Ford.
3: Absolutely. So, you know, as you mentioned, this is inside our indoor museum, which is Henry Ford Museum of American Innovation. And we really felt like bringing Julia into that space and labeling her among the pantheon of innovators that we uplift here was very, very important for folks to understand her impact and her importance. But what I think the exhibition really does is inspire. And it's this wonderful, immersive experience. It's very uplifting. It's uh, pretty fun. It's very hands-on, as mentioned. And I think what people will walk away from with this exhibition once they've gone through, they will get to experience being on the TV set. What was that like? They'll hear Julia's voice throughout the exhibition because that's so distinctive. They'll smell things. How can you do an exhibition about cooking and life and all these wonderful things without smell? So that will be in there as well. And I think it really will help people Whether they know Julia and love Julia and have for a long time and share those memories with each other, or if they're newly discovering Julia, or as I have come to understand, some of my newly hired younger staff don't know who she is, they get to fully discover this person and be inspired by her story.
1: Well, no, I love that. I think, you know, as I talked about at the top of the show, we're constantly blown away by how inspirational Julia still is to people. And it it's often from very different facets that the, this kind of multitude of different things that she was inspiring for, whether it was – you know what she did in food, or just what she accomplished as an older woman in a man's world at, at a certain period of time. So I was curious. Could you um, maybe highlight a couple of the features of the exhibition that you're, you know, excited about, or whether have you picked out a personal favorite yet?
3: So we've been setting up the exhibition, and as each thing comes out of the crates and gets built and comes to life with all the magic of of immersive exhibitions. I, of course, was immediately drawn to the kitchen, the TV set kitchen, and the chance to open up the refrigerator, to peek in the oven where there's a souffle baking. It's just so immersive and so interesting. The colors are great. And you can really begin to make the connection between the photos of this TV set, of the folks kind of underneath the counter level helping to hand things to Julia, And her being on camera, and you can really make that connection, feel it for yourself. Uh, The other great piece, um, there's an absolutely wonderful, about seven foot tall um, uh, projected series of recipes. And so you come around the corner and you run into this famous cookbook, and all of a sudden you step around it and you're seeing the recipes move before you. And then I think the thing that will surprise people and they're going to love is how many photo ops are built into this. You know, we live in an Instagram society. And so the chance to take your photo and your experience as if you're Julia or Julia and Paul is going to really surprise people. And I think their love of Valentine's was one of the things I didn't really know before we started working on this exhibition. So to be able to recreate for your Instagram, for your friends. You know, one of those wonderful moments of a Valentine by climbing into a bathtub and being Julia and Paul. I think people are going to just really love that. Um, And then because, of course, we always end up adding to things, we've actually added um, one of the final walls. We've added from our own collections from the Henry Ford. We have an amazing design collection. So we've added some things from our Bill Stump collection, which really dig into Julia's kitchen as a design object, as a place, a workspace that got studied and then got recreated. And I think that helps all of us think about where it is that we work. What are our kitchens like? How do you make your spaces work for you? So that's certainly been fun for me to dig into that as well.
1: No, that that's a great description. And I think, um, one of the things that I'm excited about, which you touched upon, is this intersection between someone whose career began in the 1960s and how much this exhibit is quite cutting edge in terms of exhibitions in its use of technology, whether it's smell or Instagrammable moments or digital projection. It it's really feels to me like kind of a complete marriage of that. I mean, does it feel cutting edge to you or am I just like, I haven't done an installation like this recently, so I don't know.
3: You know, to me it does. You know, we're we're very much um, tuned in to kind of what our guests expect these days. And so, you know, the fully immersive is certainly a moment we're having right now in the exhibition space. And I think that this exhibition really moves down that road. But I think the other thing to think about is that um, – people are touching again, they're wanting to touch things, they're wanting to play with things. We're at a space that that feels safe again, as long as we're well-maintained. And so having that opportunity It's not quite play, but it is playful learning to come in and kind of play in the space and do it together multi-generationally. I would say that this hits all of those pieces that people expect and want and hope out of an exhibition today.
1: Yeah. And I think some of the things like you were saying, when you go in the kitchen, you can open, you can basically rifle through her, her, it's not her home kitchen, it's the set kitchen. And, but it's got all these different moments where you can, you're, you're not just looking at it behind glass, you're inside of it opening and closing drawers, right?
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, so we recently had a Scooby-Doo exhibition. It was super fun. And it was about solving mysteries. And so people loved that because they were searching for clues. And I think this is actually even more interesting to search for their those clues because it's based on real life. It's based on the history. And so it is real. And you can think about, you know, how did you work in creating you know she was an innovator in this tv space so how did you do that who were the people helping you and I think being in that recreated set and being able to open all those things and really dig into it helps you understand that um, in ways that you couldn't if you just looked at pictures so, Laura, I
1: wanted to turn back to you. What do you think audiences will appreciate, particularly about what Flying Fish has brought to this? And now, as Cynthia was saying, the Henry Ford has put together.
4: Well, I'm really excited to um, see what the Henry Ford has added to this. I think that's amazing. And this is such a perfect venue for the first uh, stop on the tour. Um, because it is a museum dedicated to American innovators, and and Julia certainly is that. Um, the um, so we were really honored and excited that this was stop number one, um, and uh, I did want to give a quick shout out to Jay Brown and his team at Flying Fish. Um, I was uh, it, it was no easy pick as to who we were going to entrust Julia's uh, exhibition to, and. They had such an amazing vision for it. Um, and what I loved about it was that it was, their vision of it was very immersive. And although a lot of it came down to sort of having a seat at Julia's table, they really felt that one of her most important lessons was sort of enjoying food as an experience. You know, you don't, she was not about sitting at a, I guess they don't do TV trays anymore, but just you know, sitting there on your phone or whatever, and just shoveling food in your mouth, but actually using it as social time, using it um, and it savoring every bite. And I think this is savoring every bite is very much in the theme of what of what Flying Fish has created, whether it's representing food or the sense or the um, and, and sort of the hand of Julia and letters in her handwriting and and books that were important to her, um, her own voice, as as I think you mentioned. Um, and tangible objects. I mean, it's really um, flying fish had a very different read on the Julia Storia than um, anybody that we, we talked to and we're, and you can see it in the interactive components that they, that they've created because they're not, they're not created just as stunts they're created because they do highlight something important as Cynthia says, the, the romance of those Valentines and being able to climb in the bathtub and um, it, it, so there was a reason for everything that that's in this exhibition. It was very thoughtfully done and wildly creative. And so I'm I'm really as impressed as all heck with what they've done.
1: Yeah, no, I think a great example is is Cynthia was coming this seven foot tall book. You can look at it first as a gimmick because it it's kind of this like larger than life object. But it has a lot of meaning, and this is a monumental book in a, in the canon of English language cookbooks. And by making it seven feet tall, it, and having this digital sort of rifling through, it's a lot easier to read something that big in an exhibition than like having to crowd all together and read, you know, only sixteen point font with a group of twenty people. So it 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 enables the viewer to truly experience it in a delightful way, but also an accessible way.
4: Absolutely. And you can't experience the Julia Child universe in a small way because she was big. She was a tall woman, <laughs> you know? Um, I don't, I forget how tall was she? That was like six foot.
1: Well, that is controversial oh, because okay. she told people she was six two, but the family swears she was actually six three, but didn't want to admit as a woman in that error to being that tall.
4: <laughs> Interesting. well we so had, it
1: remains a mystery because we can't measure her now so.
4: Yeah, that's too bad. But we um, we had a component in our uh, original exhibition where there was a sort of an outline of her, and then we had a pair of shoes that were in her side size, which were quite large. I think they were maybe 13s or something. were they, they were big. Um, and so uh, so again, scale is definitely part of the of the Julie experience of so that big book um, and the big amazing museum that Henry Ford are just right on right on brand.
1: So before we go to break, I, I did want to ask you, because, you know, Cynthia mentioned how how she's already noticing, like, this is exposing Julia to people who are less familiar with her. But I was curious, for people who are already Julia aficionados, many of whom are listening to this podcast, are there certain components that you think will really excite the the diehards who already have read all the biographies of Julia and seen all the shows and know the whole story? Is that for me or for
4: Cynthia?
1: For you, Laura.
4: Oh, okay.
1: Um, I'm happy to have Cynthia weigh in if she'd like to. (laughs)
4: Um, Yeah, I think there's a lot. Well, um, yeah, I think a lot of people who are diehard Julia um, fans will um, learn a lot about um, the 1960s television experience, for one thing. I mean, they've got a recreation of the studio in there. They've got a lot about sort of recreating the the 1960s television experience and what the landscape was like that, that Julia walked into. Um not everybody knows about the early days of paul and julia um where they met in the um overseas in the fort and during the war um there's some um, th- there's a lot of detail um that I think they that will surprise some people,
3: yeah, you know, I would say that the the difference is the difference between reading about France and going to France, right so when you go to something and you're immersed in it, you simply experience it differently. And I think that that's the big key for this exhibition. You can read everything you want. You can watch all the great documentaries. You can watch the television shows. But until you're in it, I don't know. It just feels different. So I think for a diehard Julia fan, I think you have to, you know, find your moment to come in and experience it. I really just think it is fantastic.
1: I agree. I would that's what I um kind of leapt to is the opportunity to sit in a recreated La Caron dining room, which I would have thought for a diehard Julia fan is is pretty special. Like that's the the moment of transformation or the beginning of it.
3: That, so I was actually thinking exactly that thing. I I've been to France and I've never been to La Caronne, and I still want to. And as I saw that section of the exhibition start to come together, I had a little moment where I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm almost there. And it was really, really interesting.
1: Well, and then, of course, as, uh, as people like to talk about with the movies, right, there's also the difference of experiencing something individually and with your friends and family or even in a wider group of, of strangers, particularly if it's joyful.
3: Absolutely. I'm really looking forward to how much people talk to each other in this exhibition and how much they share. And I think that um, there will be a lot of Julia fans who come out. And I think that opportunity to meet other fans, to share your passion with each other, I think that's one one of the things that we're going to get to experience this summer.
1: All right, we're going to take a break and we'll be back with more from museum directors Laura Rafferty and Cynthia Jones. Stay with us.
2: This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country.
1: Welcome back. We're talking to Laura Rafferty, Executive Director of the Napa Valley Museum Yawnville and Cynthia Jones, Director at the Henry Ford in Dearborn, Michigan, about the new exhibition, Julia Child, A Recipe for Life. So, Cynthia, what do you think, we've been talking about the specifics of the exhibition, but I was kind of curious to hear more from you about you know we've talked about how this is really going to cover this full trajectory of julia's story in a very immersive interactive in-person way Are, do you have you formed some thoughts about what you think visitors will kind of leave with from having you know gone through it start to finish you know, opened and closed all the drawers, taken their Instagram photos.
3: You know, I absolutely have. So there's some really key themes that underpin this exhibition and and all of those come from who Julia was and the impact she had on the world. So really thinking about how she was so authentic to who she was and letting that authenticity shine that she had this real passion for life. She really lived And I think that those things are very resonant today. I think that, Mm. you know, we are all living into a a time where we are trying to um, come back into community with each other, that we're coming back out into the world more and more, we're traveling more and more, we're being inspired, you know, individually, but also together. We're also in a time where being yourself is more important than ever. And I think that when you couple that with part of our museum mission, where we really truly believe that every single person has the ability to change the world, whether that's your own personal world, because you learned something and tried something new, or whether that's by inventing and creating something, we all have that opportunity. And I really truly believe that when people go through this exhibition They're going to experience those themes. They're going to feel this. They're going to see it in Julia's examples. And they're going to come out feeling good about themselves, about their opportunities, about the world. And just honestly, you know, maybe that is making a simple choice. Like, I'm going to invite a few friends or my family over and just take the time to have a good meal together. I think this will change people, and I think it will change them in ways that build community and build a sense of joy in the world.
1: Well, that's lovely. I definitely think we're in need of that kind of optimism, so um, that that's great to hear. Oh, Laura, th- this is a similar question, but in kind of a different direction – I was curious because you've now been living with Julia and her legacy in, in many forms and working so hard first to launch the exhibit in Napa Valley and and then work on this project. I was curious how, you know, I think you knew about Julia before, but you've now lived with the story a lot. And I was curious to get your take on, on why you think Julia continues to have this you know, societal resonance, and especially as Cynthia was saying, you know, she thinks the exhibition will will extend that in new and different ways.
4: Well, I think Cynthia hit a lot of the resonance. Um, she, she was exactly right. Um, that authenticity is really important. And, and for me, I, I think Julia puts a lot of the fun back in food. Um, food has become one of those things that we've now kind of become a little bit judgy about. We've become a little scared, oh, you're eating the wrong thing, or it's not fresh enough, or it's not whatever it's supposed to be. Um, and I think Julia didn't take those kinds of things. I mean, of course she wanted pure ingredients and she was very, and w- one of the things I loved about her was I, I used to talk about Julia as the method behind her her magic because she was such a disciplined um, person in everything she did, but she made it look fun and she made, she kept the fun in the process. And so I do think that that uh, resonates with people. I think um, like any good teacher, um, she made sure that it, each person felt like they had a a, a place in the Julia universe. Even if you aren't interested in cooking, um, you're probably interested in eating. Um, And she made sure that there was room for everybody. Um, uh, And I love that about her. So that sort of inclusivity, she was a a great leveler. Um, One of the things, Cynthia, you mentioned, you can't wait to see the people all come together. It was, it was amazing how many people Jacques Pepin came into the museum and, um and he was did the audio tour for our exhibit and he along with Thomas Keller and others and every one of them Anthony Bourdain all these folks they had specific memories of of Julia and sometimes in the case of Anthony Bourdain it was shared memories with his mother um because he and and uh, his mother i guess uh, bonded over the Julia uh, recipes um but you can be a, anybody you don't have to be a professional chef or um every i don't think there was anyone who walked into that um, exhibit. And there were a lot of people who didn't have some personal connection where a Julia Child recipe or watching her on Saturday Night Live, or not her. Or watching, <laughs> yeah,
1: a common Dan mistake. Actor. Yes, that was not her, Laura. That was it Dan. Was her, I her, hate to tell uh, you it was uh, Dan, Dan Aykroyd.
4: Yeah, the Dan Aykroyd segment on Saturday Night Live. They they, um, they still, you know, roar with laughter at that. I mean, I just think everybody's got sort of their, their Julia memories. Um, and as you know, Todd, there's this thing that we call like the power of Julia. It mm-hmm. just She's it's just this amazing ability to overcome obstacles. The sort of, you know, I over the sort of five years of working on this, um, we've had some obstacles come up, and um, and Todd Prudhomme and, and I mean Todd uh, Shulkin, you uh, and Alex Pradham, you're both very good about just taking the long view of it and understanding that, you know, patience and persistence are, are important and very much core values of the Julia Child. A persona. Um, so I think I, I think that that sort of the relationships, the the lust for life, the persistence and that authenticity are really the main things.
1: No, I, I think I think that's well put. Yeah, no, I was saying I was actually, um, my daughter just starred in the high school musical and she was getting really stressed. She was complaining that like a couple of people she didn't think do their lines well enough. And I just told her, I said, you know what? What Julia always said is you do all this preparation. And then performance, you let go and it all comes together because of your preparation. But there's also that magic where you need spontaneity. And I think that and that's really hard to do. And Julia just embodied that where she had an ethos where she did her homework. She was not winging it. But then she was spontaneous enough and flexible enough that it kind of appeared that way and you know that's part of her magic that i think hopefully will will come through as people experience these the various you know even the evolution in her life i mean certainly if you watch the french chef she got better as she went on she was much better when she got to color than she was in the first few episodes but she still just had that charisma that came through so it didn't matter Cynthia, I wanted to ask you to kind of share, I know that Henry Ford is planning, you know, even just beyond the exhibit, which is immersive and interactive, some special events kind of over the course of the the run. Do do you want to tell us about some of those?
3: Uh, We sure are. So one of our favorite things, obviously, is to expand upon a great exhibition and to kind of work with it throughout the summer. Julia I will be honest is taking over our summer and it's great. <laughs> uh so we um uh, we have an amazing uh, set of our own in-house chefs here and One of our restaurants, the Plum Market Kitchen, is actually going to be uh, serving adaptations of Julia's recipes this summer. Uh, So you can come in, have your experience in the exhibition, then have a wonderful ratatouille or a cassoulet or a tomato provencal. And I think that that's great because it's it's really, you're going to want to eat well after this (laughs) exhibition. You'll be hungry when you're done. You'll be hungry. So I think that's great. Um, We have amazing artisans here in our Greenfield Village, which is our outdoor uh, living history museum. We have uh, a whole set of folks who do traditionally historical pottery. They've actually made a whole custom line of things for this exhibition uh, from our own pottery that we'll be selling in the stores. So spoon rests, all the little uh, mise en place, uh, mixing bowls, all sorts of fun things. We're doing on-site cooking demonstrations because, of course, you have to do that while we have this exhibition. And then one of the things I'm most proud of, we've actually reached out and we're working with uh, one of our community food banks, the Gleaners Community Food Bank, and they're coming in and doing a special demonstration at the end of June. It's a program they do called Cooking Matters, and it's a program that is specifically targeted to have folks that uh, might be under-resourced, might rely on SNAP benefits to um, get good food, to learn how to cook, no matter your situation, no matter how much you can afford to spend on food, to really understand that putting time and effort into cooking still matters. And they are going to come in and they're going to be doing some live demonstrations with us, which I'm super excited about. And then the, our um, giant screen experience will be showing documentaries related to Julia. Um, we're also doing a community recipe share. So bring a recipe, take a recipe. So that'll be super fun to um, give people a chance to share uh, from their archive of recipes that they've adapted over time and, and to pick one up that someone's left for you.
1: Wow. I've, I feel like I can feel like I can hear people being like, okay, now I'm going to Dearborn, Michigan this summer if I wasn't already. <laughs> so that, that that sounds so exciting. We can't wait to experience it all. Laura, I thought I might give you a little bit of the last word for, for the off chance that you might not be able to get to Dearborn by the 10th of September. For those who are like, darn it, are, they, are there other
4: options? Well, um, after the Henry Ford... Um, Let's see. Um, I know this is going to Omaha, Nebraska and Richmond, Virginia and uh, Jackson, Michigan, Cincinnati, Ohio and uh, Muskegon, Michigan. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Yes, you sure are. Right. Excellent. And um, then there will be uh, more stops on the on this on the whistle stop tour as well. So um, but those are the ones that have been announced so far. But, you know, everybody in Ohio, Michigan and.
1: I was going to say, saying, we are going to have, Mich- every Michiganer is now going to be fully versed in <laughs> Julia in the next two years. So exactly. I love it. All right. Uh, We're going to take another break. And when we come back, we'll get another double Julia moment. The 2023 Taste of Santa Barbara is happening right now. Tickets are still available for our signature events, the Julia Child Watch Party, on May 19th featuring some of our favorite Julia TV episodes and a conversation with chefs Nancy Silverton and Susan Feniger, The Taste of Santa Barbara Wines at El Presidio is May 21st, closing out the celebration of all things food and drink in Santa Barbara County. Get tickets on sbce.events. Follow at SB on Instagram for breaking news and updates. Proceeds from the Taste of Santa Barbara benefit the local community. We hope to see you there. Let us know what you think of today's show. Send us an email or a voice memo to contact JuliaChildFoundation.org. We'll be right back.
3: When you flip anything, you really, you just have to have the courage of your convictions, particularly if it's sort of a loose mass like this. Well, that didn't go very well. See, when I flipped it, I didn't, I didn't have the courage to do it the way I should have, but you can always pick it up and if you're alone in the kitchen,
1: who is going to see? From Julia's immortal words, we move into our last segment, which we call the Julia moment. Here's when we ask our guests to share their favorite Julia memory, moment, or how she's inspired them in their career. We've raised the bar today because we've just been talking about Julia full stop. So I'm really curious what what else there is to say. So Laura, what's your Julia moment?
4: Well, having sadly never met Julia, I don't have a direct moment with Julia. But I was trying to think about the moment when something has sort of changed my uh, fictional relationship with Julia. And I think it's when we were um, looking, we, we'd done a poster of the exhibition and then we wanted to do a second one. And we were looking at photographs and there's a picture of Julia from 1950 in um, Cassis. Is that how you pronounce Cassis, I think? Yeah. And she's in, you know, her like a short skirt. She's got sandals on, she's smoking. She's just got these like long 10, ten leg, legs that go on for days. She's just this sort of... T- totally, um, modern free woman. Um, not the sort of, you know, quote unquote, older lady that you sometimes think of, um, when you when some people experience Julia. And so, um, when I saw that, I just, I had a whole different feeling of, about Julia, that, that this was not the person who, a picture of the person that I thought I knew. And, um, it, and so we, we started a whole new relationship, me and Julia, from seeing her in that photo.
1: Yeah, it's like the Julia is the cool girl and maybe at the height of her, you know, uh, young feminine powers of of and and write that not that we're endorsing smoking. And I'm sure Julia Julia quit at some point, um, but that it's also a very evocative um, photo because it's taken by Paul and it's through his gaze of everything that he you know, how he was in love with her and 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 why.
4: Absolutely. We, it, it became known in the museum and I hope this is an okay word to say as the Julia badass photo. And um, because everybody just loved it so much, she just looked um, like a woman who could just set the world on fire.
1: Yeah. Isn't she, she's wearing like, it's like a, is it called a romper or she's, it's like one of those like little, but it's shorts and, or, I'm, or
4: is that wrong? Yeah, it's, it's The shorts it's, with a skirt yeah. kind of thing. And yeah, but you just see a lot of her legs and uh, bare arms and whole halter top. And, and she's just, you know, sexy and cool. And, and um, it's just, it's awesome. It reminds me a little bit of that uh, kind of James Dean photo where he's got a cigarette, you know, hanging out of his mouth and he's la- leaning up against a wall. It's, it's that kind of a photo. So
1: yeah, it's very different than the Susie homemaker kind of behind the the counter photos that you often see of Julian. Exactly. No, I think that that's a great pick. Cynthia, what's your Julian moment?
3: So my Julia moment is when it became clear to me that I had a WWJD in my head. What would Julia do? And it happened when I was at Burning Man, which is this great arts festival that happens two hours north of Reno in the Black Rock Desert. It's very dusty. You bring everything you need You take it all away. I was at Burning Man and I was um, sous chef for running a fantastic event that we called the Rockstar Dinner, where we were about to serve a 10-course meal to a whole set of artists that we had hand-chosen wanted to honor that night. So this is not a traditional restaurant kitchen. This is not a traditional home kitchen. This is a camping-in-the-middle-of-the-desert kitchen. I'm cooking away on a risotto when all of a sudden our generator failed all the lights went out, everything was dusty, everything was dark. And I had that what would Julia do moment. And I just yelled out to the entire kitchen, I said, switch on your headlamps, we'll keep going. (laughs) And I just felt that moment of Oh, my gosh, I had no idea that simply watching her on PBS. She had gotten that deep into my psyche. And I truly felt like in that moment, I became a little bit of Julia, and it was all going to be okay, and we were going to get through this, and the risotto wasn't going to be ruined, and we were going to serve out the dinner, and it was just wonderful. And in retrospect, yes, everything was wonderful, and it was fine, and, and it was a great moment for me to realize that she really influenced me.
1: That is definitely a fantastic Julia moment. And I just feel if Julia was still with us, she would have so many questions about how you brought her to Burning Man and what do you serve at Burning Man and how does the service work? That's amazing. Thank you, Cynthia. Thank you. And thanks everyone for listening. For more about Julia Child, A Recipe for Life, go to thehenryford.org and click on Current Events. The exhibition runs May 20th to September 10th, 2023. It's free to members and included with general admission tickets. Follow at The Henry Ford on Instagram, Twitter, and they're even on TikTok. Check out at NV Museum Younfil on Instagram and at Napa Museum on Twitter. It's NapaValleyMuseum.org on the web. New exhibitions on tiki lounges and restaurants and California roadside attractions circa 1962. Also open May 20th. So, yes, this is a very big week for all <laughs> of us everywhere. Please follow at Julia Child Foundation on Instagram. I'm at T. Shulkin on Instagram. The Julia Child audio clip from The French Chef is used with permission from our friends at GBH, thanks to my co-producer at the foundation, Lauren Salkeld, and our sound engineer at Heritage Radio Network, Armin Spengen. Our theme song is New French Horn by Novi Valtorni. We're on the air on Heritage Radio Network on Thursdays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, with downloads available soon after wherever you find your podcasts. We look forward to bringing you back into the Foundation's world next time on Inside Julia's Kitchen. Inside Julia's Kitchen is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you.